Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I have a returning guest. You heard her on a, a few episodes back, but today I have Sophie Goss back. I had a few questions uh, come up kind of in the in between, and so I figured we'd uh, bring her back on to address them. So, Sophie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Teresa. I'm so glad to be back. Well, we're glad to have you. So, uh, maybe for uh, those that may not have listened to your previous appearance, can you tell us what led you to the Lord? In as brief a description as possible, I um, am 46 years old, and though I was raised in a Christian home, I never had a relationship with Christ as a, as a church-going youth. And as I moved away from my home, you know, at the end of sort of in, in adolescence and, and early adulthood, as I was pulling away from home, I was pulling away from any ties and connections I had to the church, to God, and honestly didn't ever feel like I had a connection to Jesus. I was very wayward. I did a lot of, I did a lot of dabbling in a lot of places and ultimately um, at a very vulnerable and deeply anxious part of my life in my late thirties and early forties, I started turning to um, the new age movement and new age practices in order to improve myself in order to, gosh, (laughs) Yeah, in order to sort of feel more more powerful and like I had more control in my life, basically. And um, so I engaged pretty heavily in New Age practices for for a few years. Things in my life really, really unraveled at the same time. And the more I invited in unnamed, unseen things into my life to, to help me, the more I now realize really demonic things were starting to happen. My health suffered. My, my mental state suffered greatly. My family was deeply fractured. And just about everything that could go wrong went wrong. And from a very low place, I felt my need of the Lord finally. And, was, and I felt his invitation. I did come to Jesus um, through my grandmother and through uh, the help of one of her friends who kind of prayed me through it. How did your life change at that point? I would say that immediately upon accepting Jesus, a certain weight started to lift, a certain just oppressive weight that I had gotten very used to and didn't realize fully was always on me. It just, it felt like, I don't know, for lack of a better description, it felt like the boot that was stepping on my neck was gone. I don't, I don't want to paint it as too rosy. Things weren't magically all better. Um, I had a lot of incredible pain and confusion and, and a lot to sort through after decades of deception and, and, really turning away from God, but I, I felt lighter. You know, and, and it's interesting to me because I think that that's a common uh, situation for the Christian, or especially for someone who came out of a dark, really, really dark place. People automatically assume once you become a Christian, everything just gets better. And I don't 
see that necessarily. I mean, it says that we have been transformed from uh, darkness to light, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything is suddenly fixed. No, (laughs) no, that's why I'm here. I have a very unresolved life. So I, I don't know if I've fully addressed your question. I, I, I'd love an opportunity to go a little bit more into depth as far as what, uh, what kinds of changes have started to take place. But before I, you know, before I did that, I really wanted to make sure, make it clear that yes, there was kind of an immediate lifting of that heaviness, but still much that needed to unravel and then kind of be re-raveled. And, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm a very early work. This has only been happening. It hasn't even been three years. So there have been changes that I'd be very pleased to talk about. Um, but there's there's a lot that's still needing to be remade. Well, I would say that that's pretty much true for everybody. I mean, everybody is in a different stage of um, becoming his workmanship, as it says. So what are some of the actual changes that you have seen as a result of accepting Christ? One of the biggies is that, uh, and I have to go back just a little bit to explain this, but um, I'll just say that my family, my husband and our daughter all live under the same roof once more. And that's something I had, before becoming a Christian, I had kind of despaired would would never be. The reasons were complicated um, and they felt intractable. And I could hear him, you know, calling me. I could just hear him saying to me over and over, go home go home. And I kept thinking, well, Lord, there isn't really a home to go to. Um, I mean, physically, you know, my husband was living in a tiny apartment in another city and, you know, there were just practically speaking, there was no, that was not a family home and and there was no way to make that work. Over many months um, of hearing him tell me to go home, he provided us with a home. So we are all under one roof once more. There's a a verse, uh, scripture, Proverbs 27, 8, that says, uh, like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. And that's really what I did earlier in my, in the darkness and, and in my struggles and difficulties, I fled from home and I took our daughter and he, in his mercy has, has brought me back. So, um, it's, it's been really interesting and, not without lots of challenges to bring our family back together under one roof for for so many reasons. But he's he's here. The Lord's here. He's with us. He's he's making a way where there didn't seem to be a way. So that's one really big change. Mm. And you have you have actually referenced God's mercy um, a number of times thus far. If you were to define His mercy, how would you describe it? It feels like a thing that this world is greatly lacking in. It feels like a, a, a missing piece of my heart that only he can give me. Until he gave it to me, I didn't realize there was that big hole in me that just waiting for him to give that to me. Right, right. And I, I mean, would you, would you agree then that, that too many people are, are, are walking around just not even, they don't even know how to experience it? Yes, and and I'll be honest with you, I'm <laughs> I'm very unmerciful with myself and and with others. Um, that's something that the Lord is, you know, I invite Him in to help me with every day, and I still struggle to receive His mercy. That's a daily battle. He and I wrestle all the time. You know, he wants to love me and He wants to give me mercy, and and sometimes I fight Him on it, which is totally insane, but it happens. 
I think everybody has that one area that you know you're not supposed to do. You feel disgusted every time it happens, or maybe you haven't done it, but then you still recall what you did and you look back and you're like, God, how, how could I have been so stupid? You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he let it go and we're still hanging on to it. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of get an idea of, you know, when you're talking about God's mercy, you know, what, what you were talking about, because I mean, a lot of people may hear that and go, I don't get that. I don't get that. To just be loved and forgiven and accepted totally without condition to realize that there's a place in, in every heart that needs that profoundly and to realize that it can only be given from God. He can work on each of us and we all can be more merciful to each other. I'm not saying we can't all, (laughs) you know, I mean, mercy is a spiritual gift (laughs) and some people have it, you know, more than others. God is who he is. None of us can say that. None of us can say that. We are, we are who we are some of the time. And sometimes we're really stressed out people who don't behave the way we know he made us to behave. And so, you know, I just, I feel like his perfect mercy can only be given from him. And it's just that total love and acceptance meeting you right where you are. When they hear your story and they hear you came out of the new age movement and they may sit there and go, all right. Um, but it seems to me, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the new age philosophies and the new age movement has crept into almost every area of uh, what we what we would term the human existence. Knowing what you know and experiencing what you experienced, how should we as Christians approach it? I think that my own experiences with the new age and my own walks in the dark, I think they can be a, I mean, let me kind of be a, a canary in the coal mine for you, I guess is what I would say, because there are a lot of people who just have never dared to tread where I did. Good for them. That's good. (laughs) I'm glad. But I think because they haven't, they haven't, um, if they've been, you know, living a quote unquote good Christian life, um, they may not be aware. They may be a whole lot less aware and not have the same sensitivity to noticing when dangerous ideas and practices might be starting to encroach on their lives and that they might be letting them in and not even knowing. So I would say that, um, let me be the one, let me be one of the people who can tell you that new age and, and, and new age, I don't know, just many, many practices and philosophies. Um, oneism being one of them. I mean, that's, I think that's considered part of the new age where, you know, all, all, morality and belief systems point to the same good thing. Well, that's not true. You know, that's, that's simply not true, but that's, that's something that more and more people are, are accepting and embracing. Even I would dare say, you know, Christian brothers and sisters. So, and I don't know, yoga is one of those controversial things. Um, there are a lot of Christians who, who don't see any problem with yoga at all. And I, for one, I, I used to do yoga a lot. I thought it benefited my, my body. I, I didn't do yoga actually for any kind of higher consciousness reaching or anything like that. I did yoga for my fibromyalgia. But, um, you know, I still, now that I've been so 
tampered with, I guess, by, by dark things and by, and, and having allowed myself to be that I just, uh, I don't feel for instance, that yoga is something that I should be doing. I wonder if it's something that other Christians should be doing. Um, so there, there are a lot of practices like that. You know, a lot of, I see, I see people I know who are, who are strong believers who, who have, you know, like a crystal hanging from their, from their rear view mirror in their car. And that for me is a little bit of a trigger. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a problem or not. I mean, God made crystals, they're beautiful, <laughs> but they mean more, they mean more than that to me. And, and I would just say, be careful, don't give them any more meaning than they have. They're a phenomenon that God created, but don't give them power that they don't have. A while back, Mike and I had attended or had gone to see a movie and it was a uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And it was replete with all kinds of occultic and new age junk. And, you know, the force is force this, the force that. And it was like, and, you know, I had grown up as a Star Wars fan all my life. Right. I remember sitting there and I'm thinking, man, they are just overkilling it this one, this time. And I remember walking out of the theater and going, I think I just got bathed in something dirty. Yuck. And I mean, I mean, that to me is a good example of new age practices and, and demonic garbage infiltrating our media and even the things we watch. The reason that I feel a little bit unqualified to answer your question with great authority is that for me, since leaving the new age and since following Jesus, he has made the consumption of most media to me pretty distasteful. Um, so I don't actually know what most people are watching because I'm not, um, I, I can't it's because, but, but when I do happen to catch wind of something, um, children's shows, oh my gosh, everything's magical. Everything's magical. And the CDs that are being, um, you know, the, the music that's being pushed at very young children and, and the messages even on, um, I mean, I have a little girl and, and when you go to the, to the store to make some apparel purchases, the, just the messages that are on little girls' t-shirts and things, they're all, they're all a little bit new agey, all a little magical and, and awfully self-empowering um, in, in ways that I don't think are particularly healthy. So yeah, there it's, it's pervasive. I've managed to avoid a lot of it and, you know, for better or for worse, but I feel particularly vulnerable right now. Hearing your story, I mean, the Bible says to flee from temptation and to, you know, to run away. And so I, I mean, hearing your story, what I'm hearing is someone that says, I've been in the dark pit and I have seen the very gates of hell and I have no desire to go back. And therefore I am going to cut all of it out of my life. And you know what? I think if we as Christians can take a hint of that, I can relate a lot. I mean, not to the depth of what you were saying. Okay. But I used, you know, the, uh, my audience knows that I used to game and I used to play very, uh, like, uh, text-based games. And so they were, a lot of them were, uh, magical in nature or some were just outright demonic. And, you know, and for me, do I still have that itch? Do I still want to play something? Yeah, I do. But do I? No, I don't. Why? I don't want anything that can, that can come in and set itself up as an idol. And I think a lot of Christians do not take that stance. I'm seeing that. Frankly, it's creating some confusion in me. Um, so whenever that happens, I just 
I have to come back and, you know, bring it, bring it to the Lord in prayer and, and, uh, and trying to, trying to find, uh, you know, biblical help and support, I guess. Um, I still don't, I'm such a new Christian that, that, that in and of itself can be pretty arduous. (laughs) I don't, I don't have quick reference to, to a lot of things. And so, um, you know, but, but yeah, I, I guess I had this very naive idea that once I was adopted into the family of God, that, um, that I could look to any brother or sister to help me, to help guide me. And I don't think that's true. I mean, we, we help guide each other. And I think sometimes that I'm in a position where I'm actually needing to do, to offer more guidance than even really seasoned Christians, just simply because they have different blinders than I do. You know, Jesus says, uh, you know, in the last days, you know, spirit deceiving spirits will come to deceive. That's what they do. And and, and even and, and he says that even if possible, even the elect will be deceived. And so when I hear that, I hear a warning bell. I hear a warning bell that, man, things are not all as they should be within the church. Going forward, what are you, what is your desire for your relationship with God? I have a few desires going forward. You know, in this in this uh, so far brief walk together, he's been showing me that my pride is probably the biggest root of you know my former waywardness, and um, and it's also still the the biggest thing that I the biggest obstacle to me fully trusting him. What I want is for God to just burn that pride off of me <laughs> as much as much as possible. And believe me, he is. I've invited him to, and he's been at work on me, and I have been humbled painfully <laughs> a lot <laughs> so far. You know, it, it's funny. My pastor is talking about was talking about being humble in uh, the his last week's sermon, and. Bible says, you know, if you humble yourself, then you will be exalted in due time. There are so many things that the Bible says about pride, but just look in the Proverbs. There, there are countless Proverbs that speak about pride, but, um, but the Lord's really been showing me the prevalence of pride and the importance of humility. And so, um, for instance, Proverbs 11, 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. So, you know, in asking him to work with me on pride, I'm also inviting him to bring wisdom and greater understanding and a closer relationship with him. My leaving home and my not living with my husband, I mean, that was, that was pride. The way that pride showed itself in my life and continues to sometimes is just this, this self-reliance or this feeling that nobody understands and that I have to fight for myself. And so what I'm wanting God to continue helping me with is just to to realize that um, if I just trust him, he's, he's going to fight for me. He's going to fight for me in areas that are painful and difficult still in healing my relationship with my spouse. And he's going to fight for me in caring properly for my daughter. And he's, he's going to fight for me in, in, all the, in all the ways that, that I need it and that I, I can stop fighting for myself. Mm. And what do you think, um, you speak about trust, what do you think are some of the biggest barriers to trust in general? Well, probably the biggest barrier to trusting in God is is the whole issue of faith, which to have faith, you have to be willing to accept something that you can't see. And, you know, without 
without proof, right? <laughs> um, so that's a that I think for most people, hands down, that's the biggest barrier to trusting. Um, but I also think that fear, I mean, that fear is one of the biggest ways that the enemy works in us and works on us. Whenever we're in a fearful state, we're not trusting. By the time this interview goes out, I will have uh, taught a VBS study, you know, teaching little kids. That's so great. It's funny because tonight we're talking about uh, doubting Thomas and we're talking about, you know, Jesus helps me believe. And, you know, as I was reading over the story, one of the things that, that really struck me is, you know, I mean, here, here Thomas is and he's he's sitting there and he's thinking, you know, I saw Jesus die. And I mean, the, all the rest of the disciples are freaked and they really don't want no part of anything the Jews have to give them. You know, and I mean, I mean, Thomas, that poor guy, he gets a lot of grief from from the people when we when we teach on him. I mean, who would want doubting before their name, huh? Not I, but but I but I should have it before my name. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but think about it. I mean, if it, when Jesus comes to him, you know, he he really does say he, he really steps in and offers him the proof that he needs. And then he encourages him. Hey. You can go ahead and believe, let go of the fear and believe. And that, I believe, is something crucial that I believe every single person can take, whether you're a Christian or you're not. If you're not, the proof is out there. If you want to know God and you want to be proven that there is a God, the Bible says, you know, seek, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. He will reveal himself to you. And for, and for the person that calls himself a Christian, what area in your life are you letting fear rule the roost? And what area are you life? Are you, are you letting uh, doubt rule? Do you have any uh, final thoughts or any final um, words that you want to leave our audience with? If you're not a Christian and you're currently doubting what Christianity might hold for you, please don't just look at the people. Please don't just look at the church. The church is made up of people, and we are all we all fall short and. We all have the same struggles that non-Christians have, and those struggles make their way into the church. What I did when I ran was to, when I left the church, I, I was deeply disappointed in the people. Instead of just um, realizing that I was disappointed in the people, I made that into a disappointment in God. God doesn't disappoint. He doesn't disappoint. People do, and they will. <laughs> and that's not going to stop if you become a Christian, but God does not disappoint. And your beef, if you have one, is with, is with people and their actions, because actions speak louder than words. And as Christians, we all need to do better. And with God's help, we can do better. But God doesn't disappoint, and his love is for you, and his love is for you right now. And if you seek him, he'll meet you. He's, he's eager to meet you. A lot of times God gets the blame for something that people did, Christian or not. And so, I mean, I, and don't get me wrong, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there and I blame God for a lot of garbage that has happened in my life. So, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying there. So, well, Sophie, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. It's been such an honor. I'm so pleased and I'm so glad to be asked back because believe me, after my last interview, I all I could think about was, 
Lord, I didn't give you glory and you're so glorious because all I'm thinking is, you know, I talked about all the stupid things I did, but I didn't spend very much time talking about God and talking about Jesus and how amazing, how amazing God is. And so, yes, thank you for giving me an opportunity to brag on him for a while. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.